people are always like, you know, you guys are just bashing your head against a brick wall. It's like, maybe, <laughs> you know, at least there's some blood on the wall now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, here I am. That's all I did all those years was just read philosophy, anarchism, and communism. <laughs> I'm a rapper. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you as in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> I don't want to make music that isn't advancing the revolutionary cause. These, my friends, what it seems is silence. Nature's all around us. Just look closely. You, well, that was... <laughs> it was initially supposed to be an Australian accent, and then it sort of morphed into some sort of foul sp British speech impediment. Which is fine, too. Nothing against those. Um, here we are on the podcast today. Soul One. I think he dropped the one at some point when, when it was understood that he was the sole and only soul. Um, real pleasure to talk to this guy. Hadn't seen him in a long time. Okay, we'll get back to that. Put a pin in it. I'm feeling good today. And I do hear that song sometimes. I wake up in the morning. And it's not that I woke up in the morning feeling good. It, it took a minute. I, I was I felt like oh, I should probably go back to sleep. It's you know, I I did fly in on the red eye, not last night but the night before, and arrived at five in the morning, uh, Cincinnati time, and you know went to sleep at around eight eight thirty a.m. Um, and you know that took me that took me through the day, and I made it to another night's sleep. And I felt like I should have kept going, but you know what? I didn't. I watched uh, some a little bit of a documentary that that sort of twisted slowly into sort of uh, pro biblical propaganda, which I don't have a problem with. Um, you know, sort of a, 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 an attempt to to really see the the Bible in historical light. Which you know, I'm I'm game to go along with for sure. Uh, but I don't know. Then I I paid some bills, outstanding. Made some phone calls to some bills that I think I that I thought were 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 erroneous. Which in fact, um, two for two, they agreed with me that they were erroneous. And and I'm sorry, sir. Uh, we will we will mark mark it as a zero balance. Thank you. I appreciate it. And now I'm here where you know I am, Spring Grove Sim at Terry, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, second largest cemetery in the United States. As I've told you before, I have broadcasted from here uh, on several previous occasions. I like coming here. This is where I come and uh, do a little meditation. There's a certain place I go. It's, I, 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 
I don't want to call it an overlook. Uh, it's a small hill. That's maybe the closest thing that I'll get to an overlook here in the cemetery. If there's a larger one, you let me know and I'd like to go there. But until then, I come here and I sit on this granite bench. Let's see whose bench this is. This is the MacLeod bench. MacLeod bench. Uh, fine, upstanding, no doubt, somewhat wealthy Cincinnati family. I just did a little meditation, did some Wim Hof breathing. If you don't know what that is, look up the Iceman Wim Hof. I saw a documentary, and then I was interested, so I studied about him some more. When I say studied, I mean Googled him and read some pages and uh, sure, I'm game to try this breathing method. And uh, did that for a while and then, and then did some, what I like to call soft meditation. You know, where you're not trying to do anything but, but just uh, breathe shallow after the, the Wim Hof. I, I, I like that actually, doing the Wim Hof breathing which is very deep and intentional and disruptive, you know what I mean, it's, it's, it's not, um, transparent, you know what I mean, it's, it's, uh, something that's taking time and, and space in your lungs and in your body, I like to do that and then settle into a soft meditation where I'm not really, um, doing anything intentionally but sitting straight, uh, my mind does drift, you know, I considered what I was going to say here. But the Wim Hof is good. It, it gets some light going in, in your eyes faster than... And, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm a little tapped in. I, when I'm tapped in, I do see the light. Um, some lavenders, some pale lavenders and, and pale, pale, more pale purple stuff and, and uh, some whites swirling around sort of like the aurora borealis in my vision. I think is probably my aura. Is that too wacky Wednesday? Well, it's Tuesday for me right now, September 20-something. Maybe it's Wednesday for you. I'm feeling pretty good. I do hear the song when I think that, you know, when I start to feel that way, often related to uh, my guts and those feelings. I feel pretty good and I do hear the song, I feel good, na 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 na, etc. When I feel this way. Paid all bills, paid all debts, clean, clean slate. That's nice. Sitting in the sun. Spent the weekend in Denver, Gold Rush Festival. Thank you, Gold Rush, for having me out. It was, uh, it was a pleasurable experience. Met up with a few friends, did a few podcasts. This is one of those. I'll have two more of those next week and the week after. My Denver interviews, the Denver tapes. Had another conversation, maybe a three-hour conversation with a good friend of mine. AJ, 
and uh, that one we did not get on tape. But we wouldn't have had the same conversation on tape, so it doesn't matter. It was about body awareness. It was about Feldenkrais, that method, you know, really knowing where you're at in time and space and environment. I feel pretty good. Tough flight, of course, back. Those red eyes, not easy. I don't sleep on the flights well. Smoked weed in front of a cop in Denver. How's it going, sir? Hey there. No problems. Uh, you know, smoked weed outside of the airport right before I went in to get on my flight. I, I thought it would knock me out a little better. It, it had the tendency to try to... It was trying to knock me out the whole time, but uh, I couldn't get comfortable in the seat. I would love... It, it, you know, I don't need to be rich, but I would like a few perks of the rich, such as first class. And I guess it doesn't matter on a flight like that. The first class probably wasn't much different than the, uh, than the coach. I said, put me in, coach, and they did. But uh, on overseas flights, I'd like to have that, that rich perk, as well as really nice hotels. If I had that, those superpowers, if I had the superpowers to stay in really nice hotels and sit in first class, that would be pretty much the amount of rich that I would uh, desire in my life. Maybe, maybe to have one more house somewhere. Well, no. If I, if I had the, uh, the superpower to stay in nice hotels, I wouldn't need the uh, extra house anywhere to stay in a nice hotel. Boy, oh boy. It's turning fall, but not right now. I currently feel like I'm in the middle of an Indian summer. Is that racist? What does that mean? What's the derivation of that? I don't know. Hard to say. I feel good. I'll say it again. I feel good. I feel tapped in. I feel connected. It's nice to be speaking to you people again. It's been a while. been a minute. I've been writing. I've been working. Of course, you know that. I had this opportunity to have this discussion with Tim Holland, Soul, at his house in the backyard a couple days ago. This is an important guy in my life for my career, you know. He broke down the, the walls and, and, and started, a, started a record label, really. I'd say he was the main culprit in doing so. Anticon is the label. He had help. I'm not saying he didn't have help, but uh, I feel like he was the main visionary there behind getting that thing going 
with others, with others. But uh, I think he was, he was, uh, if, if he hadn't done that, if they hadn't done that, you know, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd have a career. I told him that the other night. I think I would have dabbled in music for sure. Uh, and I might still be dabbling, but I'd also probably be working, uh, still at, at the juice bar at Whole Foods. Except for the fact that there is no more juice bar there at the Whole Foods. So what would I be doing? I don't know. Barista somewhere. Bartender. Server. Food prep. Whole Foods, maybe. I'd be doing the rotisserie chickens. Better believe I'd be fucking creeping on those chickens. Sneaking legs. Derek, I'm sorry. I don't know. This one came without a leg. You know? What, some chickens aren't born without legs? I didn't do it. What, did I do that? Did I do that? I don't know. But I would have done it. It would have been me. Legs still in my teeth. Derek doesn't need to know about that. I hopefully have some shows upcoming. Denver was a blast. Any of you who came out, you know who the fuck you are. Thank you. That was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. Shows upcoming? Question mark? Well, been working on something in Toronto for October. Hopefully that'll happen. I want to go meet up with, with a new friend, Tatiana Maslani. Talk to her, hopefully, for the podcast. We're going to find out if that'll happen or not. It'll happen someday, if not in Toronto soon. More shows? Yeah, well, I have to be in Los Angeles for November, December. Working on a string of dates to get me out there thinking I'll drive with my car, the Jetta. That would be sometime first week of, uh, no, second week of November. Just starting that out right now, just starting to work on that, on that tour. So I'm not sure what those cities would be. Probably cities I didn't hit last year. So we're going to probably cross out the Phoenixes and the Tucsons of the world in favor of the Flagstaffs, you know. Cross out the Dentons in favor of the Dallases. No, not even because that's a fun, fun, fun fest. Can't do that. Lubbock. Kansas, uh, what, Wichita? I don't know. St. Louis? Jesus, you tell me. So we'll see about that. This was a good conversation with Tim. And he, he, he did second, I'm going to be honest about it. He second guessed it afterwards and felt like, well, maybe he said some things that, that uh, could be misconstrued or that could stir up some kind of conflict. I don't think he did. 
he ended up texting me this morning and saying, hey, you know, put it out. I think it's fine. And I'm glad he did. I will say this. Once this tape recorder went off, it's not even a tape recorder, it's a digital recorder. Once it went off in that backyard, Tim got in the hammock, as you see in the photo, and uh, we kept talking for another hour or so, and it got even more candid, and uh, we went into not only interpersonal stuff, but we went into more political stuff. We went into what you'd call religion, I suppose, or, or theism, or, or atheism, or one of the, you know, we danced around that topic. Big topic, that one. Is it is or is it ain't, you know? We don't know. All the facts are not in. There are no facts there, really. Faith-based information. Oh, there is just a tickling breeze. All right, I've been talking a long time. I think it's because I'm talking so slow, but it's the mode I'm in today. I can't go against that. I'm going to leave you now. Let's get into this conversation with... Soul. Hey. Hey, pups. Good. Let's see. My, I see my, my security hey. detail. Yeah, rough and tumble, man. These guys. Gandhi and Walnut. Okay. <laughs> Motherfucking soul up in here. Yoni Wolf, man. Um. So you've been good. Yeah. Good. Been awesome, man. Seems like it. You got. It seems like you have a good life out here. I mean, the main thing I work on is trying to have a <laughs> have a good life. You know? Yeah. That's really what's important, I think, uh, in this life. So you, you've been here five years. What? You, where were you before this? To Arizona? Yeah. Okay. We were in Sedona, um, like the, like in this place called Rimrock, which is sort of like the redneck leg of Sedona. Sounds like, like it. Rimrock. Like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was fucking beautiful, yeah. man. It was, because we, because Yasmin was teaching at the school that was in the Coconino National Forest, so we had, like, a free cabin, like, in the middle of the National Forest, and, um, but it was, I mean, it was really, you know, it was a lot of time to spend by yourself, also. I mean. Like that Thoreau shit. Is that how it felt? Yeah. What, when yeah. Yasmin be at school all day? Yeah, I'd be kind of doing nothing. I mean, I'm not doing nothing, but to be out on your own. Yeah, just making beats, reading, going on hikes. You know, yeah. just uh, yeah. But it was it was a weird, it was a weird time. It was so cool. I mean, I enjoyed that more than Spain. I think. Okay. What well, and and yeah. So you've moved around a lot over the past ten years, whatever. Mm-hmm. What's is is it? Uh, do you feel like you're permanent here? I don't know. I used to feel like I was permanent. Like we just we just bought our house. Okay. And we when we bought it, we were like, okay, we're gonna stay here. But now when I see the way the city's changing, it's like getting like all these bland bro like weed culture is really like really ruining the city for all yeah. the people that have always lived here. And it's kind of like what happened in Oakland. But 
instead of it being over a period of 15 years, it like happens in two, you know, because there's so, no rank control here. So I, people just get so – I, that, that makes me feel messed up. I definitely noticed that from my last time being here, it is – see, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily like – and maybe this is a controversial thing to say. But I don't necessarily see like them like making all this nice shit as like – necessarily bad i do understand there are bad implications and bad things happen because right. of that people get pushed out whatever right that happens and that just happened in cincinnati cincinnati's growth is way more like um rehabbed than here here it seems like everything is fucking brand new like right. you look around it's like what the fuck and and i was here like i feel like it must have been just like two maybe three years ago four years ago yeah the last time i was here i saw you it was that show that we did at Ogden or somewhere. Oh, wow. That was the last time you were here? I think so. Crazy. And um, it was not like this. Yeah, it happened fast. Oh. So it's just the weed stuff? Well, it's not just weed. It's the gas and oil. I mean, it's first of all, like this was already the number one city millennials were moving to before weed was legalized because it's like... Over the, over the coasts? Over like LA, New York, and San Fran? We can Google it. I could be totally full of but, shit but, with that. But popular anyway for those. It was like a place, like a lot of millennials uh, were moving here because it's like, you know, hell, it's a city, it's urban, you know, and um, it's healthy, you know, it promotes a healthy lifestyle of yeah. like being in the mountain. Like people who the live here. clear. But I mean, it's just the stuff you can do outside. I mean, it's like yeah. a playground, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just think like, like I, I got hip to it through all my travels. I was like, Denver is a really cool city, yeah. and that's that's I think it has everything I like. And I think a lot of people figure that out at once and figure it out that it was like like this house when I moved in. I think our rent was like a thousand bucks or something. Okay, you know, yeah, and like this would be twice that now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but uh. You got in at the right time. Mm -hmm. That's good. But, uh, yeah, so I don't, yeah, so it's just so weird. But because, like, anti-rent um, control stuff is written into the Colorado Constitution. Okay. Like, it's, it's, by the time anybody does anything about it, it's going to be too late. You know, which yeah. is crazy. And, yeah, and it's just like, and a lot of people are just complaining because it's just tasteless development, you know? Okay. It's like they're doing some stuff where, like, over here they tore these projects down and built these uh, multi-use condos and, like, the botanical garden sells heirloom vegetables that they grow on site and give them to people in the neighborhood. That's nice. Yeah, so it's, like, really, like, mixed. You yeah. know, it's like, it's there's good, there's bad. You know, I, I can't say everything that's happening is bad. I mean, I, sure. what do you do in a city where 10,000 people are moving there every month? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think fixing shit up is, is intrinsically bad. Like, a lot of people have that, that notion, but... I think there's that it's ultimately good. There's just a good way to go about it that you know doesn't displace people exactly, and it and it doesn't um, sort of whitewash everything. You know, I think you gotta you gotta keep a little bit of style and a little bit of variance, right? Diversity in the in the look of the city too, right? Well, yeah, that's the heart of the city. Yeah. You know, it's like that. You know, those holdouts in San Francisco who are still making art and still making the place worth being or in Oakland, you know. I got to go back out there. I haven't seen it since it got totally taken over. 
yeah, I'm curious mean, about it. Yeah, I was just I was just there in the mission, walking around the other day. It was, you know, it was weird, man. Everything's yeah. it, it's happening everywhere. This what's happening to Denver is happening a little faster, and but it looks the same everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about music a little bit. What are you what, are you working on anything right now? Yeah. Are you all, just always working on stuff, pretty much? Or you know, I actually just took like a month off from music. Okay. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so like my main, I mean, I just put out Man's Best Friend Volume 7. Okay. Um, have you heard it? No. I, I think you'll really like yeah? it. Yeah? Yeah, I swear. You'll okay. really like it. Um, it's like old school soul. It's like an epic poem, like non-rhyming over really short, simple Man's Best Friend kind of beats. Yeah. And like, and uh, it's a, it's just really different. Explain what Man's Best Friend is and, and, and when you started doing it and why you started doing it and you know what it, I think it was initially like a tour CD kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean that's I mean I don't even that's not even why I did it though. I just we were I, it was just when I got my first computer and I was living with Telephone Jim Jesus and Passage and um I would just be hanging out and you know with George late at night and he would just be Jim Jesus and he would just be like playing tones through my computer and I was just like this is so easy I can do this yeah. you know so I just started making just started like cutting and pasting stuff on the computer and making my own stuff and then um I just started recording on it and I was just was messing around and people were like this stuff's pretty cool you should put it out yeah and so I just put it out as tour CDs as like a quote-unquote side project and it's always just been this thing I did when I was like in this like specific creative space where I'm not stressed out I'm not um I'm no, I don't care you yeah, know yeah like I don't like the last one I made like I worked hard on it but like I don't know who it's for yeah you know I don't know who's supposed to get it like it's just this weird <laughs> postmodern I don't know you know it's like and uh and yeah and so but through that I just trained myself and it's never been and to kind of keep it honest it's just always been something I just do on the side that I never yeah. like push really hard yeah so yeah it's, and 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 it's you know we should say that it's yeah it's, it's all your all your music too pretty much right mm-hmm. um and yeah I mean I I only heard the first couple to be honest but I remember it sounding a lot more almost kind of more industrial or something um and a little bit grimy, yeah, a little bit more homemade sounding than than your soul stuff. Yeah, but you know, super yeah. influenced by the Cloud Dead stuff. Super influenced uh-huh. by No Stomp. That homemade sound and and the the droney sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but the main th- and so I like I just kind of took some time off and um and uh, of art and then but now I'm working on the Soul and Pain one. The new album again. Okay, so. Soul and Pain one. Who, who do, who's Pain? Pain. He's this dude from Wisconsin. He makes beats for like Fifty Cent. And okay, Rick Ross and stuff. Shit, and, big time. Yeah. So and and so he produces it, and you he, he's not a, he doesn't rap on it. No. Okay. Cool. So he just made. So it's like this. Like I've been like trying to make. I've also been trying to make really poppy stuff. Yeah. Um, and as a separate project, you mean? Just or like soul. His, like you know, soul has evolved. To try to do poppier stuff, I yeah. guess. Um, what's, pop, times, what's pop mean to you? I mean, it means something different to me, I yeah. guess. Uh, to me, pop is just like, you know, like I really became interested in the format of like the mainstream rap aesthetic. Um, and that's really not even that poppy, I guess. But, um, you know, just like 
beats that are like music that communicates clearly. You know, I'm not a very good singer. Like I can rap. That's what I do. Um, and so like, I always really liked like Woody Guthrie and these artists who could communicate with like folk songs. Um, and, but Jay-Z communicates in a similar way. Like everything that they say is clear. So over the years I've gravitated towards doing more stuff that's just cleaner and poppier. Uh huh. So I guess poppier means understood and, you know, uh, understood in what way? Your your themes or your, or the the or like clean like clean like fidelity wise or what? The lyrics, you yeah. Know? It's like I don't know, man. I used to we used to go out and just like stand on stage and do these like fast rapping acapellas and like that no one could understand the words. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why did I put any effort into writing when yeah. no one could understand anything I said for the first five years right. of my career? Like, it sucks that you. So you slowed it down a bit. Yeah, that's good. Do, and what what stuff that you're feeling right now that you're kind of um, influenced by? I mean, I, I assume your themes are kind of the opposite of the themes of modern um, rap out there. I'm assuming that because I know you to be a pretty left wing guy, and those those songs are pretty pretty right wing themes uh, about money worship and and um, misogyny and right. stuff. Um, not not down with that stuff. Right. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, um, but whose stuff are you feeling? I mean, musically right now, I listen to whatever the hot new rap shit. Like, I love. I mean, most of the music I listen to is not political. It's it's kind. You know, it's like right now I'm like feeling snooty wild, and but that's political too. I don't know snooty wild, but but even not political in that is political in, in that it's it's promoting some some sort of way of thought, right? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's a, political's a rough adjective to yeah. you know. Um, I mean, anything that expresses a an experience that is you know unique. I mean, there's there's some value to all of it. You know, to everything. Every, I mean, you can argue everything we do is political. Not right. Um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, and then I don't know, and then I just read. You know, but it's like this week I've been listening to Snooty Wild, and I can't forget the name of the other guy. Like they're like these post future, super auto tuned. Like I don't, they don't, uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. and I just it, I, it's and it's like super singing and like a lot like Young Thug. Like a lot of it just yeah. sounds like parodies of what they're making, and it's like no, this is serious. You know? Right, right. Huh. Okay. Okay. I yeah. Have I'm you not- ever listened to Young Thug? No, I can't say I really have. I should, I guess. Yeah. He, he's uh, Is y'all auto-tuned out, though? I, I, I struggle with, with people that are too auto-tuned out. Oh, yeah. No. For some reason. It's. I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, he's definitely using a lot of auto-tune. Yeah. But it's... I don't know. It reminds me of Dose, dude. Like, yeah. Little Wayne and uh, Young Thug. Like, especially Young Thug. Like, the yeah. crazy shit he's on. It's like... It's... It's totally... Kinda out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Do you, do you talk to any, speaking of Dose, do you talk to him ever? Do you talk to anybody from the old days? Or are you pretty much on your dolo out here doing your thing? Um, and you, I mean, it seems like you have a new set of people that you're working with and stuff. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, who do I talk to? I talk to George. I talk to Brandon. Um, you know, I keep in touch with Jell. Um, you know, keep in touch with Sage. Um you know. I just had him on the podcast not too long ago. I saw that. I saw oh, yeah. that. I didn't hear it, though. I'd be Good interested to hear it. Uh, but, you know, some people I don't talk to as much, but yeah. it happens. For sure. 
Uh, well, let, let's go. Let's go back, I guess, and get get your roots as as a uh, as an artist and as a guy, as a man. Because um, I, you know, I I I I I heard vague tale over the years of of your upbringing, but I'd like to hear it out of your mouth. You know, what sort of what it was. I mean, it, it seemed like you started doing shit earlier than any of the rest of us, like in the Anacom world, um, in the early '90s. As a young teenager, yeah? Mm-hmm. How did that begin for you? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I can. T- the way it literally began is I was listening to rap music when I was in, like, you know, whatever, second grade or third grade. And H- how did that happen? I saw a rap. Being from Maine, you know? There was a rap. Uh, there was a rap song on a movie I was watching, and I just he was like, as I'm dropping my science in this language called English, and I was like, whoa, that sounds smart. I Do wanna- you remember what movie it was? No. No, okay. No. And, but I feel like it might have been the Fat Boys, or but it, it wasn't. Um, and so, I don't know, I just started writing raps. In the, or, and then one day my cousin, my cousin, this girl uh, was in a battle in elementary school with like kids in recess. And so she'd have to like write, write they would like have these MC battles. So she would just call me and uh, I would help her write these rhymes on the phone. And then I was like, huh. Maybe, you know, and that was like the first rhymes I wrote, I feel like. Um, and then, yeah, I don't even know, man. It's just, it just like, you know, down the street, some kid had a karaoke machine and we would like make loops by like rewinding tapes and, and like me and my friends were just these weird white kids in, in element in middle school just rapping. Um, but and I, outside of Portland, Maine or just, or kind of in the city, in the city. Okay. And, uh, and then, yeah, I don't know. And then I just kept rapping. I would just go, there would be open mics and I would just go to all these things and people were just blown away that someone so young could rap so well and so fast. And, and so people saw opportunity there. So different DJs sort of took me under their wings and like helped me get into studios. And then while that was happening, my cousin married an engineer who was a a studio who worked at the same cousin. No, a different cousin different. who worked at a studio in Boston, um, and he was like, "If you come out here, you can record for free." And so I just went out there and like recorded, and then we sent it to Jermaine Dupree, and then Jermaine Dupree, his management company, wanted to sign me and put me out, and then so I was like, "That was like '93," you know, and I'm like, "I'm gonna Jesus. be rich." What? What? <laughs> what? Uh, did that stuff ever ever see the light of day? Uh, that music? Yeah. Um, you must have put it out on something. Yeah. Um, there was a tape called The Evolution of Tim uh-huh. that floated around, but I don't think any of those songs are on the internet. Like, okay. there's this one song, even if you prayed like Hammer, you couldn't touch my, touch my, touch. I, I mean, I can give you a copy of it. But, but, but this is, this is, uh, um, 93, you did a couple songs in Boston, is that right? And you yeah. sent them to Jermaine Dupree. Why Jermaine Dupree? Because um, my uncle, who was a my aunt was a lawyer, and my uncle was a politician in uh, a black Republican in Miami, and um, your he, uncle was black. Okay, my uncle Raffle Ma- married in. Yeah, I got got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out how that happened. First. But I just thought like his high one of his high points is this like debate where he debates Jesse Jackson okay. uh, for like some senator seat or something, and I was just like, it's fucking hilarious. Um, and he did good. 
I don't remember. I was too young to yeah, understand yeah. it. Um, and yeah, and so he knew some people who connected me with the um, like he knew the entertainment lawyer that um, worked with Jermaine Dupree in this group called Entertainment Resources International, which is like their management company. Okay, um, and. So they were just like, yeah, we want to do it. Um, because I was a minor, I was represented through my uncle, um, and they offered me an advance and a budget and, um, and like we were going to do it, but it was through my uncle and his connections and my father wasn't, um, didn't trust my uncle and started like calling Entertainment Resources International and like threatening them and you know, getting all crazy with them. And I didn't find that out until years, years later. So you, your father kind of fucked the deal up for you. Yeah. Shit. I mean, but you know, what would you be right now? If that would have happened, who knows? I'd be, I'd be a fucking drug addict. Yeah. Gas station, robin nihilistic piece of shit, man. I'm you think just, so? Yeah. If, if I, Why do you think that? Um, cause you know, I think like, I'm, I, I think it's really a blessing to not be, too successful i think it's a blessing to be able to just like be working class with your shit and it keeps you honest and it keeps you open and it keeps you real you know um and i I wouldn't say i've always been like that i think we we got a lot really fast and i don't think any of us knew how to psychologically deal with being i could i didn't know how to psychologically deal with being uh famous rapper you know when you say we got a lot real fast do you mean us like in the beginning like 99 2000 yeah 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 so it's like i i uh and like you know like that seems like a big deal but imagine odd future you know imagine like going from like nothing to now we're making reality shows right way bigger than we ever were and younger than we were probably or around the same age anyway Um, for sure. And you think that's fucking them up? No, no, not them. It would fuck me up. Yeah. It probably is fucking them up. Yeah. <laughs> they seemed pretty fucked up before they got... I have no idea about them. Yeah. I just use them as an example. Sure. Like, you know, I mean, another example is like Creation, you know? Yeah, like yeah. You go, like, you're the... You're every, And that's how it is now, though. You're everywhere, then you're nowhere. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think it... It's always been like that to an extent. Like, you always had one-hit wonders. Um, it's because it's hard when you blow up off of one song that you do real early. It's hard to come back off of that, I think, you know? Totally. And that's probably what, what would have happened to you, or could have happened to you, if, if you were 13, 14, made a song that blew up. I hope that guy stops sawing. Sorry, people. We're, we're in the... We should reset this and just say we're in... We're in uh, Tim and Yasmin's back rock garden almost type thing I would say with um, and garden garden as well. Yeah, we didn't put these rocks here. No, no. Mm-hmm. I would like to get rid of them. And do what? What would you do? Um, we want to put a patio out here, uh-huh. just like a, like a Euro style cobble kind of shit. Yeah. Ooh, Euro cobble. <laughs> I'm a Europhile, man. Yeah. Uh, so. What happened from there? So that 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 crashed and burned. What did you? What were you told at the time as as to why it didn't work? I don't know. I don't remember. 
I really don't remember. I just remember being pissed off at the music industry and deciding to go indie, yeah. you know, and just being like, you know, fuck this shit. Um, and so we just started getting online, um, which was brand new. Yeah. And just like trading tapes. So we just were trading tapes all over the world. Um, How were you meeting people online to trade tapes with? Was there like forums or something? Yeah, there were online message boards, like news groups. Um, Mood Swing 9 had this idea where anybody who wanted a tape of live poets, um, they would, they could say, email him their email address and he would just send them a tape. For free? Yeah. And so he just started sending those tapes out, and I still. We should say what for the art people what Live Poets is, who Moves Swing Nine is. Live Poets was a group out of started in Portland, Maine, uh, with me and Mood Swing Nine, and then we moved to San and, Francisco. And alias later, yeah. Yeah, kind. Of, I mean, sort he was of. always kind of like you know, he was always kind Periphery. of like the uh, J. the Damager to uh, Gangstar or something okay. like kind of He'd in come it. Come in every once in a while. It was always vague, you yeah. know, um, but he definitely was part of that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and so we moved to the Bay and then, then he found God and then just like decided sa- sampling was stealing and I, he, he didn't really like what the way we were living, which was pretty foul. So yeah. <laughs> we were living pretty foul back then. How do you mean foul? Like just... There was like 11 people yeah. in, a, in a two and a half bedroom place, you know, like I remember... So, wait, 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 wait. But before that, how did you meet all... So that's how you met all these other Anacom people? Like, I'm curious about it from your side. People always ask me how I met you. And I, I always kind of say, I'm not really sure, through dose somehow. Through dibs. Okay, But yeah. dibs is yeah, through yeah. the tape trading stuff. Like, Mood Swing 9 was sending tapes to dibs. You know, yeah, I was trading tapes. I found Atmosphere. I found, you know, we, I just I traded music with the Subutones. Like, Mood Swing 9 became friends with the Subutones. He put me on their stuff. He didn't like it. I was like, you kidding? This stuff's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, and so that's like, you and Nostom and Dose are through dibs, are through, like, the trades with dibs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, all the rest of those cats, shapeshifters, you know, me and Pedestrian, we met on, um, like online message boards like we were trading tapes back and forth I mean it's easy it's easy to forget that like I remember so on my, he, he didn't did he live in, in in New England at all or no he lived in California and uh, I had this song it's like the west coast is whack and Miami base is whacker and he heard that shit and he's like yo man this shit's dope but this shit's fucked up like you have no idea what you're talking about I'm like dude the west coast sucks man Dr. Dre all that shit's g-funk and he's like dude there's real good music on the West Coast. And then he just, like, literally, over the course of the next six months, probably sent me 15 tapes of, you know, CVE, Project Blowed, Shapeshifters. And it was just, like, bam. Blew your mind. Yeah, I was like, fuck it, you know. Um, it was, yeah, it just changed everything for me. And, uh, yeah, then one day, Brandon... That's pedestrian. Yeah, pedestrian. He moves. He ends up moving with some weird woman online to Connecticut. And... Uh, and then one day she just kicks him out of her house and he's like, I don't know anybody else for a thousand miles. And he calls me up. And so he, he, wait, he had just met some random person online and moved across the country. Yeah. At age 17, got his GED. Wow. Yeah. So he called you up. He's like, Hey, I just got kicked out of my house. Like, can you come and get me? And so me and JD Walker drove to Connecticut and grabbed him. And then he rented a room. 
He just he came back up to Portland with you guys. Yep. Okay. And then like you know I don't know two years later he lived there for a while, and then two years later we just hopped on a Greyhound and went west. And and you had you guys had came up with the idea for Anacon um, before you left though, right? I don't know, man. Um, maybe. I feel that's my memory, but I'm not sure. Because we had met you guys at some point along, like, yeah, 98, 90, 98, I would say, probably. Um, you know. I, I mean, we knew we were going to go to the Bay and do music. And then between making the decision to going to the, to moving to the Bay and, like, the formation of Anticon, we, like, we recorded Deep Puddle Dynamics. That's right, yeah. And then, like, and that was, like, that was, like, when everybody was, like, okay, we're going to make music like this, like this, like this. And that's really what set it all off. We're, like, okay, this is a whole, this is, this is its own thing. Like, we can build a scene around this. Let's all move to the Bay. How did you decide to do Deep Puddle? Who, who, who like, was, was the people pushing on that? Um, I, my imagination is it was you and Dose kind of making that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my guess. Uh, yeah. How did that go down? I don't even know, man. I have no idea. You know, it's so long ago. It's like 20 years ago. I know. I know. I think we were all just talking on the phone and we were just all saying, like, I think Dose was probably just like, let's make some music. You know, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, okay. You know, that sounds awesome. I was living with Adam at that time. So I do remember he would always get on calls with, you know, you or Slug or, or, you know, whoever else. Yeah. Somehow me, Slug, and Dose were all talking a, a lot at the time and just decided to make a record. And then I brought, and then no one objected to bringing um, Alias. And so we all just went and uh, made this record in a really short, I mean, like, you know. And Adam brought Jeff in mm-hmm. and, and who else was making beats for that? Mayonnaise. Some, mayonnaise. Some, some of Slug's people, yeah. Yeah, it was like Ant, Gel. Um, and Alias, yeah. And Alias made Beats 4 too? Yeah. And Mayonnaise too? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um... And yeah, we just, it was like a art project. I mean, it was like a school project, you know? It was like, we're going to make songs where we don't mention this, we don't mention this, we don't do this, and like... Like, th- rule, like, 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 creative rules. rules to like, make it interesting. Yeah, and it, and it like... And what, it's like just, what? What's an example of that? Like we're not going to mention hip hop. We're not going to mention rappers. We're not going to mention MCs. We're not going to talk about whose um, rules were these? Um, just mutually decided. We all just were like, let's do this, and some people were like, no, let's not. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of ideas. I mean, really, I mean, a lot of ideas came from Dose. For Seems sure. like he's yeah. that type of guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's just always on shooting out the first idea. Cool, let's make a song about being a candle. Yeah. Let's make a song. Yeah. yeah. And we would just just keep doing that. And uh, yeah, it was cool, man. So, so how did you feel once that project was done or while you were working on it? What was the feeling? Did you feel like you would come upon a new, a, a new thing? Did it feel like, okay, this is like a new direction for yeah. me and for... A group of us or what? I mean, I had been going in that direction. We were all going in that direction. But then once once we were there, it was kind of like it opened up a whole new realm of possibilities with hip-hop. Um, and 
that was the direction we all just kept going in. Um, it definitely, to me, what? like, how would you puddle, describe it? For me, Deep Puddle was really just like an anchor that, that created a space that allowed for like this scene to be, to grow from, you know? Almost like a, like a mission statement? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Um, and I would just describe it as, I mean, avant-garde, poetic, experimental, hip-hop. So uh, I think that's a good way to describe it. You know? Um, and, you know, there were a lot of... Oh, shit. I don't... I mean, if you really... Like, we probably couldn't even live up to a lot of our own standards. At the know? time. Yeah. Um, and That's so, what made it awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're striving for something that you can't even exactly reach. So, what what happened after that? Like, did you keep in contact with those guys? Was everybody happy with the recordings? Jesus Christ! Hey, dude, you want to? Fucking white people, man! They Armageddon. put they put they put fucking alarms on everything. Yeah, um, yeah I think so. I don't know. Uh, I think so. Um, you know, um, I've never heard anybody say, "I wish you hadn't." A, put that out sure um <clears throat> yeah so but how did that work like so you're like okay we have this cool different album that is unique we all know it's different than what we've done before what are we going to do with it how did how did that work to that that it was decided okay we're going to make our own label we're going to put this out but you know that's not really what happened like we shopped the deep puddle dynamics okay you know what I mean like it what does it, that mean you, you like, said it around to who you knew yeah or did slug as well or? I think everyone did yeah. you know um, but it wasn't like I don't think the original idea was to put that out on Anticon yeah I think like there the, was no Anticon yeah. yeah so like the original idea was like this we were just gonna make this record and like Rhyme Sayers might have put it out but then like eventually like this idea emerged of a label so um, was, but it was more through necessity it wasn't like was Rhyme Sayers willing to put it out they wanted to or was it more it seemed like it yeah, yeah. Um, but personally I didn't really like a lot of the stuff Rhyme Sayers put out other than atmosphere and idea and abilities at that time and so I think a lot of us kind of that wasn't going to that wasn't going to work. I, looking back now, <laughs> yeah, they should have put that out. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, yeah, because, I mean, we shopped it around. Remember, we sent it to, like, Soul Sides. We sent it to a bunch of people. And, like, it sat around for two years before it came out. Okay. You know? Um, and, like, knowing what I know now about, like, DIY ethics and, you know, I would have said... If we could have, we should have just put that out instantly, you know, um, instead. But but it also kind of built this mystique because that was right when Napster was happening. So, like, these mysterious deep puddle dubs and were circulating all you over. think that helped? I think it really did help with the mystique, you know. Um, yeah, of course, you know. Um, so many people discovered our stuff that way because it was like you'd find deep puddle, then you'd find all this other stuff and, like, you know, and you could just – discover all kinds of weird stuff you've never heard before totally. and it was like it was there was mystique you know um and is that how you used to find new stuff was napster like r- random new rappers and stuff i mean no I, that was napster came after 
I was discovering stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, I would discover everything through tape trades and ATAC and that stuff. Like mm-hmm. we we were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Or like going to New York and going to Fat Beats or something. Uh huh. Uh huh. But that was even more legitimate stuff that would come out on vinyl. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. So so, what then? You you kind of like you seem to be to me. You seem to be the one that was sort of holding the flag for Anacon in, in, in the beginning and, and making things happen. Yeah? Right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. you would just... How did you know how to do that? Or, or what did you... Did you have anybody telling you, like, advising you, like, that was another label person or anything? I wish, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I definitely had people I've met along the way, like, people in New York, like Jameson Grillo, or Vinyl Reanimators in Boston, or different people I've known in the music industry who I've learned things from. There were a lot of those people. Um, and then at a certain point... Um, you know, we had a manager at one point. We had this guy Franz that came in and managed us, and he got us the deal with Southern. He got us. Oh, he got the Southern deal. Yeah. Okay. He got us um, hooked up with Girly Action uh, for like big publicity in the beginning. Um, okay, that was him. I, yeah. I, okay. See, my my recollection is vague because I didn't make any of these moves. I was just around and kind of like would hear about all this stuff, but it was all kind of like. I didn't understand it all that much, the business stuff, you know? I don't know, man. I remember you making retail calls, you know? Yeah. Uh, did I? Yes. What, at the six-month office? Yes. Really? Yeah. Maybe a couple times. Yeah. But just visiting. Yeah, I didn't, I never worked there. You know what I mean? Like, I might have just come by and did some. But, yeah. No, I, so so six months was, but that 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 happened a little later. That was just like a, that has not, that's really not blip. even worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. And then, yeah, I don't know. And then just kept going. Eventually we, you know, we started a distribution company in order to like pay for staff. Um, so like no was getting paid to make our, you know, we hired this guy Bailey to come in and help and run the label. And then like he became Anacon's label manager. Yeah. How, when did that decision? When, when did you decide to step down from that that sort of role in things? And, and how did it feel? Well, it was always supposed to be a collective. I mean, originally when it was thought of, it was always supposed to be a collective. It was supposed to be collectively owned by the artists. So sure. that was always, even though that wasn't necessarily the the reality, that was always the goal. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Just uh, I don't know. Reading Karl Marx. That's how you decided that 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 model. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's not. I mean, it was a, just a standard corporation with eight shareholders owning it equally. That, well, uh, that's what we set it up as. But that was like later. That was right. like two thousand two. Right. That we did that. Remember, we had those meetings at Adam's house. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it was really Brandon's idea for it to be a collective. Okay. You know, um, I always want. I always had like Master P fantasies when I was young. I thought I was going to, you know, I wanted But you to- were kind of the one doing that stuff, I felt, in the beginning. Before, before to, but basically before Bailey got hired, right. I felt like that was what kind of, what it was in a way. I mean, you had help. You had, definitely you had um, help, especially from maybe Adam, you know, and, mm-hmm. and some other people. But no some. No some. I mean, you know. Brandon. I mean, everyone. For sure. Everyone everybody helped in, in their own the way. Game. But, 
I, I, I did feel like it was on your shoulders in a way to, to, to keep the thing moving until it, we had kind of established a little more. Right. Um, and ha- how did it feel to step down from that position and to kind of just like do your music um, at that point? Or do you feel like you never did really? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, how did it feel to focus on music? I mean, that's pretty much what I was doing. Um, yeah. And I liked it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I didn't want to be a fucking middleman. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I liked it. I mean, there, just, yeah, I liked it. Um, certainly, I didn't like certain aspects of the way things developed. Um, what, what, let's talk about your your records, like about the progression of them and how you, maybe your evolution as an artist. Uh, I think Bottle Humans was like the first soul record. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and what? How did that feel to start? I was on that record. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the funny thing about that record was that was just a side project. I was just making songs while me and Mood Swing Nine were working on Live Poets. And I like Bodily Humans wasn't like a real record or anything. It was just a CDR I pressed up at Script for Scribble Jam. Okay. And people really liked it. Um, so um, then you made some more songs. Then you kind of put it together to be. so there's like three different versions of the mm-hmm, album mm-hmm. um yeah so but after the, the the success of that and feeling like people were feeling it is that what made you kind of decide like okay well maybe I can do this like as so oh yeah absolutely man I mean I I mean it was really weird for me man like I was like a, I, I had a job I was making money at a consulting firm and consulting for what um like tech stuff, IT stuff. And and then one day I just um, didn't have to work anymore. Um, and then I just did music. Um, and is that, that's pretty much off of Bottle of Humans? Was that the one yeah, that did that? Yeah, I was just selling those bootlegs, man. Just selling, going down to Amoeba, going down to ATAC. Like, I was able to, I mean, my rent was 150 bucks. We were yeah. living in a warehouse with eight people. Um, but I guess it was always, like, I never thought I really could just be an artist and did you did you tour on that stuff too not really but i mean bottle of humans was the first album i made uh, but i wouldn't say i toured on it you know yeah i played shows. A few shows here and there yeah but not like those full it wasn't until it wasn't like yeah when we signed when selling live water came out and like everybody got a booking agent and like things were big like that's when i started to yeah yeah like i played shows but it'd be more like fly to vancouver for a weekend you know hang out for a week sleep at some dude's house make a song with somebody yeah you yeah. know style so, well, how did you feel about um our shit our faction i felt like there were two factions within anticon am i wrong in thinking that i felt like there was the, basically the main faction and the cincinnati faction doing two two sort of separate s- styles maybe a little bit uh-huh. and two sort of separate uh approaches approaches and uh, and also like projects like ma- we had our main project was, was cloud dead i guess though we also had i guess jeff with us though he would float mm-hmm. back and forth too how did you feel about our 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 world i mean i always loved the art man i always thought that the music that came out of there was great i what i didn't like was the attitude um of that we're like competing. Like I, I 
was Did, not was it, Was that a thing, do you think? I mean, it certainly was with Dose. He okay. was not, he was in it. He's a competitive dude. He was in it to win it. <laughs> yeah. And I was in it to build it with friends. And those are two. You don't think you were competitive too? No way. No. I was absolutely yeah. not competitive, yeah. man. I was there to build power with comrades, man. Yeah. Um, no way. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there was like, you know, I didn't agree that um, Mush Records should have been involved. I didn't agree that. Um, but that was kind of pre Anticon. No, I mean for for Cloud Dead, it was, it was all with it was all with Anticon context. So there was a hundred percent my context that built Mush up from the beginning. What you mean in t- in terms of Aesop Rock and no, and in terms Lab of like and, distribution, in terms of like the outlets they were using. I see. In terms he, so of he ca- he came press, to you. He took all my stuff and you know put big you know uh, <clears throat> and you know just went over in a really organized. You know, methodical businessman sense, and just made, um, you know, made a business out of it with money. Um, I, I guess when I say pre-Anticon, I guess I mean for me, I, I, I mean from my my sense, which was Cloud, Cloud Dead. You know, that happened before Anticon because we were doing these tapes, Green Think tapes, right. and you know, at that point, it was really just everybody was doing their shit and selling it on HR. It's all DIY. Yeah. yeah. And then Robert approached us about um, recording some some EPs or whatever, or some singles, and then we did that. It was like there was there was no other option for us. It wasn't right. like we could, you know. We so, didn't have a pressing and distribution exactly. deal. We so, didn't have like a, 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 a label. So Cloud Dead happened, yeah, sort of, yeah, I think about it as pre-Anticon. Um but right on the Anacom was right on the heels of 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 a you know of that happening and and um, I mean Cloud Dead is was a huge huge crossover indie rock success like I have friends out here I go to their houses and there's a Cloud Dead CD yeah and they don't even know that they don't even know what it is you know they don't know I'm on it you know it's really funny yeah uh, and so it's like that was obviously was a was the right call was to do what y'all did y'all did and the right to thing. Go, I mean I think that had to do with going through Big Data I mean yeah right yeah I mean but you know back then I'm just saying like back then how did I feel um <clears throat> I didn't like that um I felt it was really important for us as a collective to own our shit that's what I thought I thought that like if we owned all of our assets we would be we would have long-term sustainable success. Um, how we went about doing that, how we would get there, what models would we look at, how would we do it? Um, <clears throat> we sh- like that work was never really done. You know, it was just like we're a collective, we're a collectively run label. You know? Were there any models that you were looking at? Like, was there like a Soul Sides or a, or a uh, you know, I don't know who else was doing stuff? No, the I mean the hieroglyphics we, guys or, or the we modeled ourselves off of hip hop, and what we were doing was horizontal it was egalitarian it wasn't <clears throat> we weren't trying to do you know what master p does we weren't you know what i mean yeah. uh, and so like i didn't know i don't know how a co-op runs i didn't know how you know other co-op labels ran like um who who were other co-op labels at the time brandon had a bunch at the time that he was thinking about from like punk rock shit or jazz or whatever um like discord or something <clears throat> I don't. I think I don't know. Is Discord a collective? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, I never. You know, we never really learned what other, 
what another way to do it would have been. Yeah. You know? Um, so I don't know. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Do you remember any stories from around that time of, of, you know, how things felt different than, than, than how other people were doing it in the industry? How, How did other people take what, what, we were doing at that time what was really combative we came out with middle fingers up right so so you you had an album called music for the advancement of hip-hop how was that received um and you and and why you you say you weren't competitive but you did come out with middle fingers up and most of that was probably sprung from you right i mean you had the the disc song for lp or whatever right and what was that about fuck that don't we don't have to talk about that. about that. I'm just yeah, but but there was a there was a combative attitude in the, in the beginning. So music for the advancement of hip hop, that's there. That that title is is kind of you could look at it as being pretty um, snooty, right? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, knowing what I know now, of course, we never would have done anything like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what we thought we were doing, though. So. You know, I, and I also didn't have a deep enough understanding of like race and shit to really. Right. That I think that came off as it's mostly white guys, white males doing an album of black music called "Music for the Advancement of of Hip Hop." Yeah, yeah. Doesn't seem quite right. Not cool. Whose idea? Was, <laughs> whose idea was was that title? I don't know. Thing? It's like either me or Brandon. Brandon. I don't yeah. know. Me, Brandon, and Russ. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a faction. There was definitely a faction with, like, like art director beefs were really funny back then. Between, like, Russ as the old art director and Nostom. And right. Remember, that shit was funny. Um, so what was the blowback from that album title and the album and the music? The thing is, is the music didn't say that necessarily. It was just the title. It was, it was weird. Right? I mean, what was the blowback? I mean... Blowback. Or was it just positive? Really, it was like. I mean, in, in the end, it's positive. It drew press. line. It drew line in the sand. Alienated a bunch of people that were never going to fuck with us anyway. Like who? What faction? Like hip hop factions. Okay, you know, like people who are just all about the four elements and shit back then. Right, um, traditionalists, fundamentalists. Yeah, like those people. But I mean, ironically though, maybe that's not even true because you know those people love gel. Yeah, you know, um, and a lot of. My most diehard fans are still like boom bappers. Yeah, hip hop yeah. kids. So, but I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think people just took it for what it was at the time. Some bold, provocative shit, you know. Yeah. Um. And it, it had a positive reception. Yeah, I mean, we got a we got a distribution deal. That, we, uh, that we, was kind of fucked. We up, built right? a we built a movement. I mean, we had a whole scene I mean there was I remember yeah, people crazy. people would try to emulate and we you know we, we would have yeah we definitely had a thing that we did um and it was varied like I said like you know I felt like you guys sort of had a thing and we had a thing and we would tour together you guys would tour together sometimes we would do tours together mm-hmm. but rarely uh but we, but but collectively, we, we it was a unique thing, and there were definitely even now you go to Europe and stuff where everything is a little bit behind, and they still ask, you know, what happened to Anticon, you know, or whatever. It's like it's still a thing. Like what you know, like they they thought of it as a group, you know, what I right? Mean? Um, because we had some 
best of kind of you know albums come out samplers and shit right. that people heard I guess um well, what happened from there? I mean, what do you feel like? So you you went out and toured on on selling live water, which mm-hmm. I, that that was like my shit. I loved that. You remember, I put that together. Yeah, dude, and you did a good job. And I remember I was so angry when you did it, but you were right. What I learned a lot. What? I learned a lot from that moment. How how the album got put together? Well, like after it was done, you like deleted a couple songs off of it and like removed it. And I remember being like. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> Don't talk but to that, me. It was good. You I think right. I made it even better. You did. But that, was, that album did. was fucking rad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, but, th- I mean, I, I actually learned a lot about how to put albums together from you and No Stom. Yeah. You know, because y'all were good at it. Yeah. And I've always used those same, same style. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I toured the world, you know, and then, like, when it really started getting out there and, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think another big thing was, like, us all being in New York when 9-11 happened. How was that a big thing? I mean, that was a big thing for me. Well, that obviously, was just terrifying. It was, a big thing. Yeah, yeah. it was just terrifying, and I just wanted to understand why it happened. What was it's, your experience there? Um, I was driving to pick up pedestrian from the airport, and the fireman turned me away from the bridge and says, we're under attack. So nope. he got stuck in, in wherever he was? Indiana or okay. something. And so, I don't know. I mean... <clears throat> I think that moment you came back to the hotel we were staying in adjacent rooms um, in Queens right by the airport you came back to the hotel and I remember woke everybody up I think that's my we're memory under attack that's my memory yeah and we all turned on the TV yeah and then we looked outside across the water crazy I thought we were going to get... Remember how paranoid we were? We thought there was going to be a nuke. We wouldn't... We, Dude, like, that, drove back. That wasn't just us, though. That was everybody. <laughs> that know. was everybody. I know. Everybody was fucking scared to shit. But we canceled our... We didn't even take our flights home, and we just rented a car We couldn't drove. take the flights home. The, all flights were canceled. Yeah, but out, we didn't all even... All flights tr- out, of, out, of, out of New York were canceled. But we didn't even try to get a refund or anything. No, okay. So we, well, we took the opportunity. We did a few shows across the country. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I guess like that moment really like uh, made me want to read, and you know, selling live water just put me on this course of like, you know. So it made you more read nonfiction, more political stuff, yeah, and like try to learn, just try to learn more about history and why things are the way they are, you know. Uh, and so I feel like that's like a out of the ashes growing. of nine eleven, you crawled, <laughs> and uh, and like you know. So that's just like slowly creeping in with selling live water and traveling around the world and just, you know, you know, we're, we're reading all this beat poet stuff and, and it felt like we were living in those kind of times, you know, what we kind of times just like turbulent times where being a writer is a cool thing to it's be important. Yeah. And did you feel at that time more of a responsibility to, to speak politically? Yeah, or to educate myself because I always had opinions. I just couldn't really back them up because I didn't do my homework. I didn't. I, I, did, I didn't find "Selling Live Water" to be super overtly political. Certain songs, mm-hmm. "Plutonium" or something, mm-hmm. um, but not until "Live from Rome." I felt like did you get super political, mm-hmm. right? Would that is yeah, that yeah. accurate? Yeah, "Selling Live Water." I was still kind of on this like new age. You know, like... More personal stuff yeah. at times. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So... Hey, hey, everyone! Barking isn't going to accomplish anything. 
Come here. And here they come. So what, 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 was it after Sound Live Water that, like, after touring on that, that you defected to, to, to Spain? Is that kind of when? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I just, uh, well, I, I, I defected to Spain. Um, I, don't, I don't mean like that. Yeah, no, I, mean. I know. Um, no, I mean, it wasn't totally, I mean, basically, I just, when I wasn't on tour, you know, it was like we we had like these release schedules where we'd like make an album and then wait nine months and we can make another one. And I was like, I made all these records. And I'm just sitting around my house, not doing this anything. This is in Oakland. Yeah. Okay. I'm just sitting around my house, not doing anything. And, and then I was like, you know what? I just got this big advance. I got all this money. I don't know what to do with it. Who'd you get an advance from? Anaconda? More. More oh, for music. more music for a man's best friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, I was like, what am I gonna do? You know, I don't have any debt. You know, if I if I knew what I knew knew now, I would have bought a house. Yeah, um, and you probably could have afforded it back then yeah. in Oakland, and then you'd be fucking sitting pretty right yeah. now. I know, but I wasn't smart. Um, I didn't care back then. I was like fucking twelve. Um, yeah, so I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna go live in Europe because I can. Yeah. And I had a little mental breakdown where I, I thought I was communicating with aliens and they were telling me to go to Israel. <laughs> really? Yes. That's a pretty typical story for, for a lot of people here. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, just a little gem in there. Israel, why Israel? I don't know, man. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to talk about now, but it's just like one day I just quit smoking weed and tobacco and I just had like a mental breakdown and, um, were you with Yasmin yet or no? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then when that happened, I was like, I just like, was like, uh, just had this idea that I wasn't reaching my potential and then I had to go travel and see the world and be a part of it. And so I was like, um, just gonna go, you know. I'm getting... Why, why, why Barcelona and not Israel? Um, you, you didn't want you, you, you wanted to dip a toe in, in, in listening to the aliens, but not go all the way. I did it. go to Israel. Though. Oh, you did. I did go to Israel to play um, a show, though. Or yeah, okay, yeah. Um, no, it just was like it, was, it wasn't like really go to Israel. It just was like it's it's ridiculous, uh, but it was total delusion. So did but, you know yeah. that at the time? No. No. How did I mean, it feel at the time? I, I, uh, was it was it like under the influence of a lot of weed and stuff? No, I mean I don't know what it was. I think like I've I've done some research on it, and like there are certain people who, if you smoke weed habitually for a really long time and then you stop, there's a chance you can have like a kind of breakdown once in your life. And I'm like, I have that rare chemistry that that happened. Um, it's never happened again, but. It was awful. But it was also because I was, I just took so much on, man. I had so much stress in my life. I wasn't healthy, dude. I wasn't healthy. And I had to remove myself from that situation. It just was too much. Um, just like, so I had to just be somewhere else for a while. I thought I was going to come right back. But then once I left, I, I realized that wasn't for me. That, that place wasn't for me anymore. And so I just kept. You never went back to the Bay. Mm-mm. Um, and what was Barcelona like? It was awesome, man. It was awesome. I mean, you know, it's really, I would, I mean, when I talk about expats, I say it's like, it's kind of a sad thing to be a little bit, you know? Um, like you can't like, 
you develop weird speech patterns and stuff when you like you haven't spoken in English. Like I started like emoting more with my face when I would communicate, and so like at a necessity. Yeah, and so people like when I, when I'd finally be talking to English people, they're like, "Why are you speaking so slowly and making all these weird faces?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm getting messed up," right. you know. Um, but I loved it, man. We got our dog, and we were just like walk around and just read and I mean but you know it's also kind of like back then it was really easy to just be in Europe um, and just fly everywhere and play festivals and because we had such so that's how you would make your living is, is run around play some festivals here and there come back what 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 were you getting into at that time like to, and now I'm talking about 2000 I guess five five six seven eight yeah that that I don't know, man. I was just reading, dude. I mean, yeah. really, that's all I did all those years was just read philosophy and read about anarchism and communism and just all this, all this stuff I just wanted to understand um, because I wanted to s- participate in a revolution. You know, I just started reading like Guy Debord and the Situationists and all this stuff, and it was really just making me think about art very differently, you know, that like art must intervene and that we must go beyond art. And, and so I just like really, what does go beyond art mean? It means like, like taking like, like music that can agitate, inspire, um, and intervene, you know, not just there's a responsibility to do that. I mean, as an artist, I feel a responsibility to do that. I don't, I mean, people need to make, there's a role in society for beautiful art and nice songs. Like, you know, people should, and, and all art relieves suffering. So, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I, me personally, like, that's just what motivates me. I don't, I don't want to make music that isn't advancing the revolutionary cause, you know? Do you think it has an impact on that? Do you think it has an impact on, you know, awareness of, of issues or, or, Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's like, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I know it has. I know it has. I mean, and I mean, I've doubted it a lot, you know, because we were the kind of kickback we would get is like, no one cares, you know. Shut up, you know. You're just an artist, like, you know, you're not going to change the world, you know. Who give this kickback? And we say we journalists, or, yeah, okay. journalists or. Um, you know, artists who do, who don't give a fuck about anything. Um, you know, I would always think that, like, you know, making music uh, is is like, you know, it's trivial or something. But what I've learned over the years is like when you think about what radicalizes people and what gets people to like think about things differently, that that introduction is always music. Always, it's always like, oh, I heard this song KRS made, and it made me think about this. Or I heard this X Clan song, and it made me think about. Do you think of yourself as in in, in a line from those guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's totally different. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy who speaks about things from a you know specific perspective. Um, it's not. It's obviously not the same, and it's. it's it's now, not then. Um, sure, but it's in a lineage in a way. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's, I mean, there's probably just more, just as much of a lineage to punk music, you know, yeah. and that's something like, I didn't know anything about punk when I was a kid. Do but, you now? Um, I know enough. I know that, like, folk punks love you. 
Who, who are folk punks? Folk punks, like, uh, like, you know, like these bands like Andrew Jackson Jihad and Ramshackle Glory and Blackbird Rom, like this kind of, it's like folky music, but yeah. it's... But it has like a really... But it has political message. Really, punk, really great Punk lyrics. message. Do you think of your politics as being punk politics? Um, no, I mean, I have my own... I mean, I, I identify as an anarchist, but I'm not like a specific... I'm more in the realm of kind of critical theory and like high nerdier kind of theoretical philosophy stuff that um, that I, I just like to read because it's poetic to me. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, I identify a lot with punks, but I also think that, you know, there's, there's, there's problems with every scene, you know, and like the... the <clears throat> While I identify with a lot of the politics of a lot of punks, you know, some people are just nihilists and just want to get fucked up all the time and act like assholes. And that's not, I mean, I, I guess I, that shit's okay if you want to Same with that. the hippies before them, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know. I definitely identify probably more with punks than any other scene at this point, which is from a musical perspective which is like weird and, you know? and who, who are your listeners is it punk type folks you think or you said a lot of hip hoppers um yeah I mean I think it's it's shifted over the years um I certainly have a, a large percentage of my supporters who've been riding with me since day one yeah and just love it all um and there are people who drop off along the way and then pick up at other points. Um, and then there's, you know, all these other people who who I think have found out about me through, like, Twitter and through more radical outlets. Um, and that's, that's, like, the part of my um, career or growth that I'm really excited about right now is, like playing in front of young kids and punks and people that who... That don't know shit about Anacon or about your early years or anything. Yeah, like nobody... Yeah. Like, most of the people I communicate with don't know shit about none of that. Like, yeah. when I tell them, oh, I was part of this hip-hop collective, you know, the first ever hip-hop collective, like, holy shit, you know, that's crazy, you know? Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, and so that stuff's cool, man. And it's, like, being able to, like build with other revolutionaries and it's i mean it's just so fun man like traveling and meeting people who are like doing shit and like and it and it's uh it's just inspiring to me um like the highest form of validation to me is to get respect from people you respect you know uh-huh and who who are people you're looking towards right now i mean you know writers you know people like 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 i like people like Mackenzie Wark or Scott Crow or you know, the invisible committee or, um, just, just people who are like out there, like advancing, uh, advancing the, the fight, you know, um, and writing for the advancement of politics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, not just writing though. People who are out there, like, you know, when I was in, you know, Portland, it's like the people who are blockading the, um, the bridge came to the show, you know, and it's like so you've gotten in, and and you've gotten into action like that too, haven't, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Um, and we're gonna, and yeah, and like using, we're going to blur out your face now and, yeah. and, and uh, change your voice here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean that to me, that's just super exciting. Is like trying to like blur those lines and, and and like you know meet people and you know yeah. Do Do you think those kind of actions have have a, have a major impact on things? I mean, absolutely, man. I mean, I can. 
list a few. I mean, for instance, um, one of the, like the, the tar sands blockade, you know, a bunch of people from Denver went down, camped out in a fucking tree and, uh, got arrested, got all these felon. They, they blocked construction of that pipeline for 20 days in Texas. And it's an oil pipeline. Yeah, this is the Keystone XL pipeline. Okay. Um, and that was, you know, that was like the biggest industrial project. And they stopped it for 20 days. And that pipeline's still not built, you know? What um, does that do, though? Does that, it makes them lose a, a few million bucks? I mean, sure. If you really look at it, like nothing is ever gonna be enough. Yeah. Because they right. have infinite, infinite uh, resources. Yeah. And like while they were blocking this, they, you know, other companies, like they, they subcontracted a hundred other companies to build tiny little pipelines to go around it. Right. But regardless, you know, we, we use. It makes a statement, no? We use the model that I use for pre orders for bail fund and so we just put up like a t-shirt pre-order online and raised you know whatever like over two thousand bucks off t-shirts to get our homies out of uh out of jail so it's like you slowed you stopped the construction of this pipeline it helped launch an environmental movement like a new newfound excitement for like blockading stuff and shutting stuff down um helped out your friend you know i mean it's like it's global warming is coming. We're living through it. This is the end, you know. But uh, hasn't hasn't uh, haven't people for a long time said this is the end? I mean, a little differently. I mean, uh, it's definitely different. But I mean, I'm just I'm agreeing with you that nothing is ever enough. Yeah. Um, but like, that's not a compelling argument not to be involved. Not to make some kind of action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like. People are always like, you know, you guys are just bashing your head against a brick wall. It's like, maybe, <laughs> you know, at least there's some blood on the wall now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, man. It's that's funny. that's gonna be my intro right there. That has to be my intro. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, another another things that are like that that's really changing stuff. I mean, like look at Black Lives Matter. You know, look at the conversation that's happened. I mean, granted, like people don't risk arrest and, and, and throw down so that they can change a conversation, you know, like f- 10,000 people didn't get arrested at Occupy Wall Street so they could change the conversation. But isn't know? that what it is? That's what happens. Yeah. Culture shifts. Yeah. But that's what, that's what it is. I think, I mean, it's not going to like, you think people had intentions of creating a, 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 a an, a revolution right then and there or something like let's overthrow it's got it's everything shifts slowly right right so it right. does change the conversation it shifts it a little bit right but i guess i mean like we were all there thinking i was there thinking this is the revolution revolution right. pop off you know and now i look back and it's like well shit all we really have to show for it is people talking about class yeah you know hey that's but at least people yeah at least people are talking about class yeah and it's the same thing with black lives matter it's like people have been throwing down all over this country like rioting and blockading highways and it's like technically you're just bashing your head against a brick wall but it's like you know what it's you have killer cops you have killer cops that are like police are on notice now yeah the government is we in have cameras now on, like police have chest cameras like yeah they, in Cincinnati, did you see that shit? I mean, that was like three miles from my house. The, the guy got shot a guy on on his own chest camera. Fucking shot a guy in the head for no reason. What's the guy's name? Uh, um, the guy that got shot was Sam Dubose. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Did you were you out for that? Did you go out? Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't go out. But I mean that's gonna be a rare occurrence. You know what I mean? The, the, now that you have a and he would have got off if, if if he didn't have a chest camera. Right. No problem. You know what right. I'm saying? I don't know exactly what's gonna happen to him. Right. But it it can't be pretty at this point for him. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I hope. I mean, I hope it can't. You know, I hope not. I mean, um, you'd be surprised. They get away with a lot, but I mean, they're that th- those days are numbered. Those yeah. days are numbered, and that 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 is a product of people raising a stink about mm-hmm. it. So I I do think that. And that, and 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 these are this is not new. That's right. the thing is like pe- people think like, oh, police started killing black men over the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, like they never stopped. It, it, I mean, it never. St- it, no, it was going on since fucking exactly. They never stopped since lynching. Right. You know what I mean? Like it it it, it just kind of shifted, and and the the given reasons shifted. Right. You know, um, but yeah, the 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 fear and murder continued. Well, like, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to, like, pat myself on the back by any means, but, like, another thing we did here is, like, when we were out at some protest, I think it was after they killed Jessica Hernandez, and it was, like, a vigil, and I don't like going to vigils, especially, um, but, uh, you know, and it just happens that this family were all wearing, like, the same shirts and had a sign for their cousin Sherrod Kindle who had just been shot and I was, I was like I've never heard of this guy what's going on and they're like and then but you know I just happened to be somewhere and like me and my friends started talking to these people and they're like oh um you know our our, our cousin Sherrod was pulled over by the police and when he was on his knees with his hands up the cops f- shot at him through his fucking hands tried to kill him and then locked him up in jail he's gushing out in his jail cell right now he needs to go to the hospital you know he's in jail right now they shot him a couple days ago he has an open wound festering in a cold cell and they won't even give him clean clothes he's still in blood soaked wrecks and and like what what can we do it's like what can we do we're gonna go rally at the jail right now and then the you know the sheriff came right out um brought his mom in and let him see her son even though but they weren't going to let him they weren't going to let her talk to her son until we did that you know until mm-hmm. the cops felt threatened and that's what's I mean so it's a really tiny example um, and but it's like who knows what would have happened by that that's guy an individual in that may have had his life saved because of that yeah I'm not saying we saved his life he's still he's back he's in jail now on on those same charges but at least he, he didn't die you know yeah. And, uh, and those are, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that it's like, you know, that's what it's all about. You just, you know, you just keep throwing darts against the board and then eventually, um, the skills you acquire along the way become useful to something that's happening around. And, but that's me because it's like, I have all this free time and that's what I want to do with my time. That, um, that to me is more rewarding than anything else that I'm involved with uh, that work it, and do you feel you feel like the music aids in that or, or, or accompanies that yeah it accompanies I mean really it subsidizes it yeah um, I see you know um, for me but but it's also part it's also a huge part of that for me you know it's a huge part of my voice you know I, there are people around who are videographers there are people who are around who are journalists there are people around who are writers there are people around who are poets I'm a rapper, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what I have to offer to 
to what's happening. I don't have any delusions about it. I don't think it's like, you know, a song can't change the world. You don't think? Slowly change the conversation a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we can, but lots of songs. Yeah. Change people, make people think different. All right. Anything else uh, that that is important to talk about? I mean, you know, we 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 sp- we hit a lot of different things, but there's probably more. What? Anything else on your heart? Uh. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's really difficult for me to talk about Anacon. I really don't like to talk about it. I mean, I. That's why I didn't ask you too much right. about that shit. I know. I'm trying to be respectful. No, 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 totally, totally. Yeah. And But I just mean, like, to talk about it at all yeah. is really difficult for me to, like, pick my words and be honest and not, uh, you know, because really I just, I wish everyone well. And yeah. it was a, you know. The, look, it all, the whole thing always had a lot of problems and holes in it, right? Totally. But it was also beautiful. I mean. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to talk about the intricacies of, of, of sort of interpersonal stuff, I guess, mm-hmm. within that, that we've never discussed. Totally. You know, um, that you probably did discuss with Adam back then, but like I said, that was above my pay grade. You guys probably argued about it. But that was the thing, that I didn't want it to be like, oh, Tim, you're responsible for these people, Adam, you're responsible for these right. people. It was like, fuck that. Like, the, like, like, we're all here together. Right. There was there was just a feeling of possibility in the air for sure, yeah. And it was realized, you know. I, th- I feel like there was definitely a few years where where until money got involved. You think that's what it was? Like, think about it. All the greatest collaborations that we did were all before anybody wrote a business plan. Stuffed animals, deep puddle, you know, all that stuff. And then, like, I mean, I felt like I made better music after that, personally. But as yeah. But as a collective, collaborative thing, mm-hmm. we never did as much collaboration after that, I suppose. Yeah. And I just think that's an interesting dynamic to note, you know. That is like, it because of that or is it because we – for me, I felt like it was because I sort of started to really find myself and I knew where I wanted to go. And I had a sense of um, singu- – not singularity, but a sense of uh, – Purpose. Purpose and a, sen- a focus. Yeah. I yeah. felt like after a while, after I got – you know, I mean I, you got to realize – yeah, I mean, I was 18 or something when, when that shit first started, and you were 19, whatever, Crazy. you know what I mean? It's like, we didn't We were know. so young. Yeah. <laughs> when we, we, did, we went out and did Stuffed Animals. Yeah, I must have been 19 when we did That's Stuffed hilarious, Animals. hilarious, man. Yeah. Shit, if I could go back in time, I would just, like, hunt down a mentor and be like, all right, like... What do we do? Yeah. Dude, what do we do? Somebody give us advice. Yeah. Somebody tell us what to do because we have no idea. Yeah. But, you know, out of, out of, out of the, the unknowing, we, we did something. Yep. Absolutely, you know? man. Yeah. That's when the best things happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to, to, to close it up. I'm right. sitting here with Tim Holland, soul, uh, in the backyard of his mansion, downtown Denver, a couple of dogs. Gandhi and Corgi. Walnut. Best. Walnut. And uh, here he comes. Say bye to the people, Walnut. All right, say bye to the people, Tim. Peace. People of the podcast. People of the podcast world. Young Wolf, Lone Wolf. Coming back to you from Spring Grove Sound. 
I just want to I want to thank Soul for uh, for being on the show. The music that you you've heard on here, other than the you know my normal theme music, is Soul music. And that's true for all my episodes. When I have a musical guest on, uh, I, I do use their music. So just so you know, if you're like, oh, what was that dope song? It's, it's the guest, okay? I don't always say that because I figure it's obvious, but I don't know that it is obvious. People do ask me, dude, what was that sick song at the end of that episode? Yeah, it, the voice was the dude I just talked to. Could you not tell? Sometimes people can't tell, you know? And sometimes rappers cloak their voice and, you know, they might put it through one of those uh, baklava, drug dealer, uh, balaclava, sorry, drug dealer uh, voices on a National Geographic show. Look with all the shell up and crap. I was hardly even heard. I had 52 whores on my payroll. Whatever. Some rappers do that. That's a thing. Not me. Keep it clean, keep it mean, keep it on the scene. Honest, right? Right, maybe. All right, y'all. I'll see you next week, I believe. I believe that is the plan. I got the same fly that keeps landing on my arm. I'd say he looks disgusting, but you know what? I might have came from that far back enough, you know what I'm saying? Maybe not. Hopefully we bring... We were like two branches that, that went two different directions. The fly. I mean, we came from a common ancestor. I wouldn't say that I came from a fly. Go away, Jeff Goldblum. Okay. All right, y'all. Take her easy. Keep wandering. Hey, everybody be quiet. I'm recording. Ringing. I was 20 years old trying to build an empire 
the system wants control, even greed don't move me The death drive is actually a desire to live authentic In a world to suck your soul straight through plastic Don't tell me I'm angry, I'm in the belly of the beast in the field Good to tell that motherfucker you ain't taking shit from me As long as I got my books, my wife, and my dogs, I'll be happy Take away that shit, I'll still learn to be happy I was born in the trenches, the life I chose, it chose me I may be a war machine, but I'm a happy war machine. This the sound of brutal shit, make in the winter when its wings become unfrozen. Ain't no cats gonna eat me, no act rapper gonna beat me, and no shady label gonna cheat me. My dad died working, he overdosed on meth. Used to run a business, now there's nothing left. And all I got's the shows a pick for mango on my lawn. Old habits die hard, old men die alone, not me. Something like that.